0: Ourselves on the outskirts of the you know. all right
1: well, thank you,
0: we'll get started Carrie, why do not you open us up in prayer okay. and then um, we'll go from there
1: okay well Father I thank you just for this morning and just father I just thank you for family thank you that we can just be together father just um, just opening your word together just entering into this time of worship Father I just pray for just open hearts and open minds. Just pray for protection for this time, that um, that we would be able to focus, that there would be no distractions, God. And I do lift up Emily to you this morning, Father. Just pray that you would just touch her right where she's at this morning, Father. That she would know your love, that she would know your peace, that she would know, Father, that she is loved by us, but first and foremost, that she is loved by you. That she is your cherished daughter, Father. That she would be of stable heart and of stable mind, Father. And that she would have a desire to serve you all of her days, Lord. And Father, so as we just come together, Lord, and just forgetting yes. the things of this past week, Father, where we might have stumbled or where we might have, Father, gone astray, Lord, that we would be able to focus and know that your mercies are new every morning. Thank you, and that we would focus and fix our eyes upon you and that you, Father, would restore our hope, Father, and that you would find our worship sweet this morning, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.
0: Before we go into our time of worship, I've asked Melissa to share again this morning with us. I've been really encouraged um, meeting with Melissa and hearing how God is just ministering to her um, through his word, and Thank then how so she's much. applying it um, in her life. So she's going to share with us in the beginning.
2: Forgive um, me, I'm a little shaken up today. I'm going to start by um, reading some Psalms that's been ministering to me. Um, The first Psalms is Psalms 24. He reads: um, The earth is, is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belongs to Him. For He he, he, led the fo- he led the earth's foundation on the seas and building it on the ocean's depth. Who may climb the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in His holy place? Only those whose hands and hearts are pure. Who do not worship idols? And never tie lies. They will receive the Lord's blessings. And have a right relationship with God. Their Savior. Such people may seek you. And worship you in your presence. O God of Jacob. Open up ancient gates. Open up ancient doors. And let the King of, of Glory enter. Who is the King of Glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord invincible in battle. Open up ancient gates, open up ancient doors, and the king of glory enter. Who is the king of glory? The Lord of heaven's armies. He is the king of glory. And then Psalms 25. O oh Lord, I give you my life to you. I trust in you, my God. Do not let me, Do not let me be disgraced. Or let my enemies rejoice in my defeat. Defeat. No one who trusts in you will ever dis- be disgraced. Be disgraced. But disgrace comes to those who try to deceive others. Show me the right path, O oh Lord. Point out the road for me to follow. Yes, Lead me by your truth and teach me, for you are the God who saves me, and day long I put my hope in you. Remember, O Lord, you come, your compassion and unfailing love, which you have shown from long ages past. Do not remember the rebellious sins of my youth. Remember me in the light of your unfailing love. For you are merciful, O Lord. Oh, thank the Lord is good and does what is right. He shows the proper path to those who go astray. He leads the humble in doing right, teaching them his ways. The Lord leads with unfailing love and faithfulness. All who keeps his covenant and obeys his demands. For the honor of your name, O Lord, forgive my many, many sins. Who are those who fear the Lord? He who shows shows them the path that should choose, they should choose. They will live in prosperity and their children will inherit the land. The Lord is a friend to those who fear Him. He teaches them His covenant. My eyes are always on the Lord. For He rescues me from the traps of my enemy. Turn to me and have mercy, for I am alone and in deep distress. Mm-hmm. My problems go from bad to worse. Oh, save me from them, or feed my pain. Uh, I'm sorry, feel my pain and see my troubles. Forgive all of my sins. Mm-hmm. See how many enemies I have and how victoriously they hate me. Protect me, rescue me, my life. From them, do not let my me be disgraced. Disgraced for in you I take refuge. Mm-hmm. Refuge, my indignity and honesty be, be t- oh. may indignity and honesty protect me, for I put in, my hope in you, O oh God. Ransom Israel from all its trouble. Um, thank you. And um, reading. The, the the book that we are in study, um, is talking about strong hopes. and um, in my in my prayers, I've been asking God to open my eyes and see everything, everything, the bigger picture in His eyes. I I I don't want to see the everything because we torment ourselves by seeing the the world in our own eyes, and um. He he gave me this picture, he and it's and I I love trees. C- trees are are uh, an example of 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 God. When I think of the tree, I remi- it reminds me of the roots, and in the roots, it, it reminds me of God reminding us that um how deeply we could grind our lives in Him, how deeply if we just take our burdens and, and, and rejoice in Him and, and, and really have a relationship with Him. How deeply the roots in us could grow. And that's... Tree's roots are the strongest to me. Um, so I reminded myself that um, deep, deeply rooted with a relationship of true intimacy with God. The roots remind me of, of that intimacy, that, that deep... Uh, how he holds me, how he comforts me, how he's there. He's always there. Then the stem, it reminds me of him growing. <coughs> and, and and trees have the solid wood and it's solid foundation. And they, they grow and sprout. And they're always solid. And so I, the tree reminds me that he's giving me a foundation. He's giving me uh, a strong place because the roots are Deep in deep mm-hmm. in. Mm-hmm. And then I, I put the heart in between cause without the foundation, without Jesus in it, there's no foundation. Mm-hmm. It, it, it'll be it'll be useless. It'd be a, a dead root. And then I put the branches because he wants us to sprout. He wants us to share, he wants us to grow, he wants us to to give our testimony, he wants us to, to Let him let everybody know how beautiful the freedom is, how beautiful when he's in our lives, how we keep him deeply rooted in us. That is, is, it's, it's, it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. I can't deny it. None of us could deny it. And then I'm reminded of what what Rob has been sharing, how the cross was meant. The cross was our first symbol of Jesus laying down His life for us, and so I drew the cross, and then I drew a nail going through the cross because I want to remind myself that my sin is no longer defining me. Mm. So I, the cross is there, so I could nail, I could nail the sin. If anything tries to creep creep up in my head or remind me of who I was, or wants me to believe a lie nearly to the cross, nearly the cross. And you need to remember Melissa who you who you were is not who you are. Thank you. And mm-hmm. my the, the bigger picture guy the guy sharing me is um I'm not alone. Amen. We're not alone. No. Amen. And the roots of the I don't have to be afraid. I don't have to define of yesterday. I'm not yesterday. Nobody could tell me what I was yesterday because God, God is in the midst. Mm-hmm. And God's in the midst of every each and every one of us in growing a relationship yeah. and having even them here. It's... But you do that for he's us. He's beautiful. You do that for us, Melissa. He's beautiful. You strengthen us a lot, too. You need yeah. to understand that you've been it's our right. rock, even my rock, the past
1: three months since all this stuff happened with Vina, It wasn't for you, Melissa, I,
2: I don't think I could have got through it. Honestly, I don't.
3: So you need to understand it, that that you do a lot for us too. Yeah. You know, and, you really do. And yeah, I
2: appreciate um, you. the glory goes to him because if if, if if he if he he didn't do this, we wouldn't be in this. Exactly. exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, I also wanted to share Philippians Philippians three thirteen fourteen. But no means. Oh, sorry. What? The Philippines, 3, 13, 14. Yeah, give me a second, but I got it. Been have a hurry jumping on that <laughs> <laughs> one. Sorry. Wants to, yeah. She wants to tell everybody how, how all this issue <laughs> touched her. Yeah. This way. <laughs>
3: it? Three there, what? Three, is there
1: three, three 13, and yeah. Yeah. thirteen,
2: and fourteen.
1: okay. I got uh, yes, verse it's 13, chapter 13, 13. thirteen. It's chapter three or the verse thirteen, 13. and fourteen. I, I didn't understand that it. part. Yes, yeah, okay. right. That's why I wrote three thirteen and The chapters
2: are the big numbers, and the verses are the small numbers. Yeah. Okay. It says, "Um, By no means do I count myself an expert in all of this, but I've got my eye. We've got our eye on the goal. Where God is best, in, best on, and this word to me is, he, he's, he's pushing forward on, for us. He's for us. Um, to Jesus, I'm off and running, and I'm not turning back. Mm-hmm. And then I'm just gonna read the, the the scripture, and I'll I'll give you ladies. Um, it's Peter one three. As we know Jesus better, His divine power mm-hmm. give us everything we need for living a Godly life. And the the message I'm 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 giving and was given and is given is that we need to pers- always persevere. We always need to refocus. We always got to know that God's will has changed our lives, our families, and it's changed our world. Mm-hmm. And um keep the, the eye, your your eye and it reminds me keep our eyes on the prize and our prize is Jesus. Mm-hmm.
0: I appreciate you sharing, Melissa and as I've encouraged you, I'd love to hear from you all how God is ministering to you you know, we're overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony and let's just go into a time of worship now and then we'll get more into His word Father, that we would be attentive, Father, to God, what you want to do among us today. So Father, we commit this time to you, and we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just lead us into the truth. You've been given to us as our teacher, as our comforter, and Father, as our guide, and so Lord, we look to you in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Amen go to James, before we go to Mark chapter 7, I would like for you to go to James chapter 1, verse 12. And as you're turning there, I kind of want to set up today for us. James chapter 1, All right. verse 12, we're going to read through 12 through 18. And so as we open up the book of Mark today, and we'll get to Mark soon, but we're going to start here in James we're about to enter in a chapter where Jesus is going to teach about purity. And we're going to see him have a confrontation with the religious leaders of that day. But before we get to Jesus' teaching on purity, I really want to open up the Word of God and kind of look at the Word and how it teaches us about purity. What does the Word of God have to say about sin? And how destructive sin is in our lives. I know it's not a topic that's popular to preach on today, but if we're going to get the fullness of who Jesus is and what He came to do, we have to really open up the Word to see how we as believers are to obey what He has laid out for us. But before we get to this, I want to play a song for you to kind of set the stage, if you would, for today's teaching.
3: seduction while we eating on some secret sins, says a whisper in my ear, and I know I should be over this, but I ain't seeing clear, and I ain't leaving here, unless somebody save me, walking
4: to my grave, letting evilness enslave me, evil looks so lovely, covered in her lace of lies, and a fluky spoon, seduction just manipulates
3: my mind, for fabric this fueling my fascination While I'm intoxicated She starts over assassination I'm losing all my honor And my years to the merciless Giving all my life away But I'm just so emotional This is So don't let her consume you Even though her heart is black Her exterior is beautiful She'll take your life away And strip away your joy Pretend that she don't build you up But she just don't destroy you My friends fell low When they were so high Got me running scared I turkey, but when I'm feeling worried sure trying to murk me, I'm doing myself dirty, flirting with what's perverted, I should follow the word, but I guess I'd rather be murdered, excuse me, I mean martyr, cause I'm killing myself, my sin see the baby, and we gon' name a death, breath, take it, she take my breath away, replaces it with poison, and I'm so swept away, I need some bread today, oh, I'll break some
0: This nature that is in rebellion towards God because of Adam and Eve, the consequences of the fall. And as I've encouraged us as we're opening up the word, we realize that the cross, and Melissa touched on this earlier, that the cross was purposed even before the foundations of the earth were laid. You see, great love had to be displayed throughout all creation. And that great love being displayed is Jesus on the cross. No greater love than this, that a man will lay down his life for his friends. And I want to continue to bring that before us. Listen, when you come to Jesus, when you accept Him as Lord and Savior, the Bible says that you were born again. You're now of a new nature. You're no longer the product of the fall. You're no longer having to suffer the consequences of sin any longer. Because of this new nature that you're, been, that you're born into, you are the product of the resurrection. You are, a, you are what Christ came to fulfill through His death and through His resurrection. Through His ascension, through Him seated at the right hand of the Father. He is our victorious King. He is risen indeed. You see, that's the good news that we have. Because the Bible says if our message was just the cross, then we really have no messages at all. We, are, we will still be enslaved to that old man, to that old woman, to the consequences of that rebellious nature. See, the good news of Jesus is that we don't have to remain rebellious any longer. And what's even better is that He knows that nature. That's why He came. To set us free from it. So that now our lives are displaying His great love to all creation. Because daily we're laying our lives down. Not picking up the old nature. You see, when the old nature wants to remind you of who you are, you need to remind it that it's dead. That you are alive in Christ now. Listen, coming to church and being a Christian isn't about being perfect. But it is about growing. It is about maturing. It is about walking this newness of life. Just as much effort as you live in the rebellious nature. Making choices, making decisions, allowing things to affect you. You have to put into this new nature now. The Bible says this new nature has to be a life that's dependent upon the Holy Spirit. And I've shared with you before. What I'm sharing with you is not because I, I sat in seminary and, and it was just poured into me. That it, it's, just, it's just words. No, no, no. See, God transformed my life. From a drug addict, to from an alcoholic, from just being bound by all sickness and perversion that was out there. Just giving of myself to everything and anything. I hated Jesus, hated Christians, wanted nothing to do with God. Searching for all types of other faiths and beliefs out there, just trying to find my place. And then coming at the end of myself, and before I put the pills in my mouth to kill myself, Jesus steps in. And He began to change
3: my life.
0: You see, I truly started believing. Everything that he says. And you all have been around me long enough. I've shared my failures. There's been seasons in my Christian life where I've gotten tangled in stuff. There's been seasons in life where I wanted to walk away and just be like, ah, I'm done with this. But every time he reminds me of his great love for me. And how can I deny that? How can you deny it? You see, your flesh, that rebellious nature, only knows how to do one thing, you all. And you all know because you've heard me say it over and over, it's to die. You see, all of us are dying. There's going to be a day when we're going to take our last breath. That's all this knows how to do. And that's why it drags us to death quicker. When we're in our rebellious nature, that's all it's going to do. We're going to get to death quicker. That's why the human body only gets addicted to bad things. Yeah. Definitely. Things. Yeah. Like that's it, brother. It only knows. It so only knows. That's why it drags itself to it. Oh, but the great news is Christ. Jesus. If you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you don't have to be enslaved any longer. For He has set us free. There is hope. If there was no hope, there would really be no reason to be together. But there's hope. So let's look at James here today. Chapter 1, verse verse 12 through 18. It says, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love Him. And remember, when you are being tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and He never tempts anyone else. And I really want us to focus here in verse 14. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us, and look what it does, drags us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. So don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. Whatever is good and perfect comes down to us from God our Father, who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a sifting shadow. He chose to give birth to us by giving us His true word. And we, out of all creation, became his prized possessions. Listen, we've talked about this before. Temptation is not sin. It's when you give in to it. Amen. The Bible also tells us that he makes a way out of every temptation, so we are without excuse. We can make all the excuses of why we chose this, whatever that may be for you or for me. But truth is, he makes a way out. That's why this life in Christ now has to be a life that's lived in obedience unto the Lord. You have to learn of Him. You have to allow the Holy Spirit to work within you. Remember, Paul writes to the church and says, Why are you trying to live out in the flesh what you received in the Spirit? Because those two are contrary. They're at war with each other. You can't. That's why it's vital that you are in fellowship. That's why it's vital that you are in the Word. Listen, spiritual discipline shouldn't be a burden on you. No, spiritual discipline should be what you crave so, because that leads you to more freedom in Christ. You desire to know of this newer nature. How am I to live now? I know how I would live, but how am I to live now in Christ? I know what would happen if I give in to temptation. It's going to lead to sin, and that sin is going to drive me to death. Remember, sin separates us from God. But he's made a way through Jesus, the blood of the Lamb, to free us from that enslavement to sin. I'd like for you to go to Romans 6. The Christian life. A life of freedom, you all. That's the hope that we have for people. Listen, being a Christian doesn't make you better than anyone else. We're not to become pious and and, and pretend now that all of a sudden we're better than everybody. And then we point our fingers at everyone and tell them how horrible they are. (laughs) That's not to be a Christian. No, as a Christian, you know what captivity looks like. Because you've experienced it. But now you've tasted freedom. And your desire is that others would know freedom. So we don't puff ourselves up to pretend to be someone that we're not better than everyone else. No, we humble ourselves to serve others. We remain humble as Christ remained humble. Listen, He's our example. You want to know how to live this new life? Follow Christ, learn of His teachings. Depend on the Holy Spirit to walk this out, to live differently. Listen, we talk to, don't allow condemnation and shame to keep you from conviction. Don't beat yourself up and keep telling yourself, oh look, I couldn't do it right, I'm doing this wrong. And we play this weird game within ourselves. No, allow the conviction of the Holy Spirit to say, hey Rob, that, don't touch that. Hey, Rob, don't go there. Hey, Rob, that's not where you belong. And instead of fighting against the conviction, no, return to him. Keep me, strengthen me. Teach me how now I'm to live. I'm not measuring up to man's standards. I'm not trying to please man. No, I'm living a life now that I I, I want to please God. So God, if I don't belong here, God, if I'm not to touch this, God, if I'm not to give in to that, then God, I know that in and of myself I will, so now I know I just have to depend upon you to keep me pure. To keep me from not getting entangled. In Romans 6, this is a great chapter. It talks about how sin's power is broken. And I think that the church needs to awaken today to this understanding. That there is victory over sin. Amen. Victory over sin. Instead of making excuses for it. Instead of it to allow to rule and reign in our life. Like there's victory. What he accomplished on the cross settled. It. When I mean, Jesus cries out, it is finished, it's finished, you all. And we have to truly believe this by faith. It says here, what then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. And since we died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when you were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, you joined Him in His death? For he died and, for we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live, here's the good news you all, new lives. Since we have been united with Him in His death, we should also be raised to life as He was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin, for when we died with Christ we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with Him. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and He will never die again. Death no longer has power over Him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. Wow. Daily. Day in and day out. How are you to consider yourself to be this new identity that is in Christ Jesus? Dead to sin what it says there. And alive to God through Christ Jesus. Not of your own strength. Not of your own doing. But through Christ Jesus. Like, I'm dead to sin. But I'm alive in God. Through Christ Jesus now. I don't have to give in. I don't have to cater. I don't have to, de- these desires that are from within lead me on a path of destruction. I could if I choose, but why would I choose when such great love has been revealed to me? Like the temporalness of life, the circumstances of this world, I'm no longer clinging to. That's what I keep encouraging y'all. Don't allow your walk with Christ to be defined by your circumstances on the outer side of, of, of life. Don't wait to come to Christ when circumstances are better. And don't come to Christ thinking he's going to make your circumstances better. Mm-hmm. I know that's what's peddled out there today to people. Come to Jesus and whew, your life is perfect. Oh, where is that in the word? Jesus even tells his disciples, listen, if they hate me, they're going to hate you. My kingdom is not of this world. Now we're to consider ourselves dead to sin. I want to challenge you today. How are you thinking each and every single day? And if you're sitting here today as not as a believer, as a Christian, then I would encourage you as you're listening to the word of God to hear the hope That's available through Christ That you don't have to remain a slave to sin To death To destruction To eternity separated from God Listen, we talked about this before And I know hell is not a popular thing to preach today And people question Well, how can a loving God send people to hell? Listen, God doesn't send you to hell You choose to go It's your choice to rebel against him Mm -hmm. He's made a way that you don't have to. And that's why I always encourage myself and you all why would you choose his wrath over his love? It doesn't make sense. Such great love displayed to us for no other reason but to call us his chosen possessions. Like he gives us the, he adopts us into his family, and he gives us the right to call him. He has such great love for us. He is slow to anger. He is merciful. And yet when you choose to sin, you basically spit in His face and tell Him, You're not God. I'll be God today. I'll go my way. And do what I want. Because it feels good and it feels right. And don't get in my way. Really? And then we're comfortable coming back and raising our hands and calling Him Lord? Who lives that way? That's not how the church ought to be living. No, the world needs to see the church living humbly as servants unto them. Because that's what Jesus did. That's what Jesus did. Such great love displayed. The sin is running amok in the church. We're making excuses We're entertaining sin. We're allowing sin in. And sin is mastering the church. And then the world looks at us and goes, What do you all have? You're no different than me. I don't need your God. What did He do for you? You don't even have a fear of Him. I used to say that to Christians when I was running out in the world. You don't even fear the God in whom you're saying you've given your life to. And you want me to hear him.
4: How does that work?
0: No, church, we've got to come to a place where we throw off the sin that so easily entangles us that we say, God, we want to be a people who are pure. God, we want to be a people who our hearts are set towards you. We don't want to be a religious people. We want to be a people who genuinely love you, God. We know the price that was paid. We know what we have been given. And we know that we are purposed for this generation. Amen. Each of us, we're not a mistake. Amen. I don't care what has been spoken of your lives. That's right. Each life is purpose, by God. Amen. The Word of God says that God has created you for good works. That's right. Not for yourself to boast in, but for others to see Him through you. It goes on. Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give into sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God. For you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin is no longer your master. For you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. And remember about God's grace. We've cheapened it down in our generation. Just as they were trying in this generation. And that's why Paul is writing this. Because basically, you know the teaching that came into the church in this time? Was, keep sinning. Because the more you sin, the more God's grace is going to be revealed to others. (laughs) And people were buying into it. And that's why he's saying, what then shall we say? Shall we continue to sin so that grace may abound? Certainly not. That's not truth. The church, since the day it was birthed, has had to withstand false teachings to creep into the church to make God's people lukewarm. Oh, let us not be swept away with lukewarmness. But let us be awakened to truth in this hour, in this day. That's why it's vital that you're connected to a church. Listen, we all come from brokenness. We all know that. And that's why I encourage us as a local church, as a, as a local fellowship, that we are there for one another. That's right. We're not there to judge people. We're not there to look at people or demand of them. Listen, if they want to live a Christian life, praise God, if they don't, well, that's their choice. But as long as someone is available and saying, no, I want to learn more. Listen, you're in a safe place where it doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done. (laughs) Because each of us can testify of the filth and the junk that we were before Christ. So we're not shocked by people's testimony. We're not shocked by what people have done or where they've been. No, we just recognize what sin does. It destroys so, if you're serious about your relationship with Christ, you have a fellowship that you can come plug into and get connected with and say, Listen, I just want to grow. I just want to know more. And you're going to be loved and you're going to be encouraged. Truth is going to be upheld. Listen, you, you've heard me say, I don't want to coddle you and patch you all poor you. No, we've got to raise up truth. We've got, we've got to uphold truth, just as I hope that you would do it for me if you saw me going astray. Mm-hmm. Say, so, Rob, what are you doing? Because we know it's out of love. This encouragement. Listen, you come to Christ, you still have all this junk. And i shared this with you. All, the man that I was, all of that filth is still in here. I just consider myself dead to it. And it was a process to learn to die to it daily. It's not easy dying. Death is never easy. But don't keep giving into to it. Recognize it. You know, remember that song? That seductive voice was whispering in his ear, and he kept saying, Killer. Killer. No, no, no. I know where you're going to lead me, and that's to death. I've been there. I've done that. I don't want it anymore. I've been a part of a destructive life before, hurting others and being hurt. I don't want to do it anymore. God if you have given me the way through Christ Not to have to live that way any longer Then I'm going to take it But not enough love myself God I have to depend upon you Because again Just give me just a little room for myself to come out And it will And he's an ugly man <laughs> So it's not that you You know the stuff is still there But it's learning now how to walk differently It's learning to say wait a minute I don't have to be a product of my past or what was done to me, or what I've done to others, or anything. I don't have to be uh, addicted to this any longer. I don't have to give in to this. No, it doesn't have to rule and reign over my life. Oh, God. Freedom. That's why our church is named True Freedom. Because we want to be people who are out there encouraging others to know there is freedom. How many hurting people are out there? I remember the years that I was out there hurting and lost, just trying to find something and someone, something to numb the pain, to settle the torment of my mind, the racing thoughts. Christ, Jesus, frees us and gives us this hope. Instead. Live under, I love what it says here, live under the freedom of God's grace. Well then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean we can go on sinning? Of course not. Don't you realize that you become a slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. And thank God, once you were a slave of sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey this teaching we have given you. Now you are free from your slavery to sin, and you have become slaves to righteous living. And because of the weakness of your human nature, I am using the illustration of slavery to help you understand all of this. Previously, you let yourselves be slaves to impurity and lawlessness, which led ever deeper into sin. Now you must give yourself to be slaves to righteous living, so that you will become holy. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the obligation to do right. And what was the result? You were now ashamed of the things you used to do, things that end in eternal doom. But now you are free from the power of sin and have become slaves of God. Now you do things that lead to holiness and the result in eternal life. And look at verse 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Go to first John. First John chapter one and verse five. I'm getting us to Mark, you all. But so before we get to Mark, we've got to look at these scriptures. I've been meditating on them. I've I've been praying through them. I've been been excited to remind myself about these scriptures. About purity. About living a life that that honors God. About the hope that we had in Jesus. Down all the way up to four. So now, as Christians,
1: First John one 5.
0: Mm-hmm. First John chapter
1: one verse five.
0: Oh, so now we are to live as children of light, and we're not to love the things of this world. I want you to think about this for a second. Everything you see in this world is temporal. It's here today, it's gone tomorrow. And why would we continue to put our hope in things? The temporalness of life. Oh no. Remember in John 10.10, 10, the Bible says that Jesus comes to give us life and life in abundance. It actually reads, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I've come, Jesus, so that you may have life in abundance. And I know... A lot of people like to spend that with the prosperity message. Listen. The abundance of life is the fullness of life that you no longer have to be enslaved to the temporalness of life. It's the abundance of life that no matter what is coming against me, I can maintain peace in Christ, joy, hope, life in the abundance. That if He did bless me to prosper then I know that prospering is not for me, it's for Him. And again, you know, use that blessing to serve others, even at a greater capacity than what I'm doing now with the little that I have. So this weird message that is being peddled out there, come, and let Jesus make you prosperous. Remember, I have warned you, if you hear the message being preached that gives you the right to self, run from it. That's not the message. Listen, we're to live in the light as children of light now. And we're not to love the world. Listen, we're still in the world, but we're not of the world. It says here, 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, This is the message we have heard from Jesus. And now I declare to you, God is light, and there is no darkness in him at all. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. But if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other, and the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. If we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in truth. But if we confess our sins to Him, He is faithful and just to forgive us, our sins, and to cleanse us from all wickedness. If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing that His word has no place in our hearts. My dear children, I'm writing this to you so that you will not sin, but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads on our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. He himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins and not only our sins, but the sins of the world. And we can be sure that we know Him if we obey His commandments. We can be sure that we know Him, that we are in relationship with Him by obeying. Listen, if you're not obeying, if if, if your life is not in obedience to Christ, don't fool yourself. (laughs) Don't fool yourself. Now, that doesn't mean that you won't sin, but you heard what the Word just said. If you do, repent. Don't remain in it. Don't stay there. Get up from it. Repent and move on. Repent. Listen, I've encouraged you all. Your Christian life is not just a one-time prayer. It's daily. (laughs) It's a daily lifestyle dependent upon Christ, walking in obedience, daily confessing your sins, daily allowing the Holy Spirit to work in and through your life to honor God. It says here, if someone claims, I know God, but doesn't obey His commandments, that person is a liar and is not living in truth. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love Him. That is how we know we are living in Him. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. Oh, but that's hard to do. It is in your own flesh. It is is hard to do when you are trying to do it, but that's why this life now has to be dependent upon the Holy Spirit. That's why I'm so enjoying my times with Melissa. That's why I'm encouraging her. Share what God is doing in your life and how you're applying truth the word of God says we can't just be hearers of the word we have to be doers of it I'm encouraged when I'm hearing from you all how God is, is, is bringing conviction in your life and how you're turning and saying no to whatever it is and yes to God that's powerful that's how we ought to be living don't learn from God you all Don't listen to the lies of yourself and of the enemy trying to tear you down. Remember, God says that He first loved us yet though we were in complete rebellion towards Him. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. He's constantly beckoning us to come to Him. Abide in me. Remain in me, He says. In verse 15 here, in chapter 2 of First John, Do not love this world, nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from the world. And this world is fading away, along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. Let's go to Mark chapter 7. And let's pick up where we left off. All throughout Scripture, we see Jesus being challenged by the religious men of the day. These Pharisees, These men who lorded over God's people. Adding to God's commandments. Burdening people. Trying to live for God. That's what religion does to us, you all. It burdens us. Religion will always set the mark and say, You can never achieve it. Look how horrible you are. That's what religion does, even if they slap Jesus' name on it. They give you laws, they give you rules, they give you all this junk that in and of yourself you have to try to reach God and to please God. Oh, no, 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 no. True faith, true Christian faith in Christ is realizing that Jesus, his death on the cross, pleased the Father. He paid the payment for our sin, for our rebellion. It's only through Jesus that we have access to God. And coming to Jesus, yes, there is a standard in which we are to live, but God has set it. And in that standard, when he says, be holy as I am holy, he knew in and of ourselves we couldn't, that's why he sent Jesus. And that's why Jesus, when he calls us to himself, he says, follow me. And that's why the word of God says that he's given us everything we need to live a godly life. Because he's given us the Holy Spirit. He tells the disciples, I have to go away so that he will come. It's this life now that is dependent upon the Holy Spirit. The word of God says that he is our teacher, our comforter, our guide. He will lead us into all truth. God wants to reveal great mysteries to us. That's so why the Word of God says, if you seek Him, you will find Him. If you seek Him with your whole heart, not a divided heart, not a religious heart, a hearted heart, but a heart that is genuinely seeking after God. You see, these men, yet though they were, quote unquote, the men of God of that day, they weren't seeking God. In fact, when Jesus, the Messiah, was standing before him before them, they didn't recognize Him. They were lost. And they were constantly challenging Jesus. They didn't want to lose their position of authority. And so who is this man that has shown up now? And they're attacking Jesus. And Jesus always turns the tables on them. And reveals to them their heart issues. We pick up in chapter 7, where now the Pharisees are looking at the disciples' lot. and beginning to question Jesus Jesus about his followers. One day, some Pharisees, it says here, and teachers of the religious law arrived from Jerusalem to see Jesus. They noticed that some of his disciples failed to follow the Jewish ritual of hand-washing before eating. The Jews, especially the Pharisees, do not eat until they have poured water over their cupped hands, as required by their ancient traditions. They don't eat anything from the market until they immerse their hands in water. This is one of many traditions they have clung to, such as their ceremonial washing of cups, pitchers, and kettles. So the Pharisees and teachers of the religious law asked him, Why don't your disciples follow our old, age-old traditions? They eat without first performing the hand-washing ceremony and I love Jesus's Jesus reply. You hypocrites! Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. For he wrote, "These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship, their worship is farce, for they teach man-made ideals as God as commandments from God." He didn't dance around them. The only time that you ever really see Jesus strike, if you would, with such authority and such passion is against the religious leaders. The others, he was moved with compassion on. He knew what these men were doing with God's word and God's laws. He knew he was, they, they were burdening people and keeping people from God. So now they're questioning him, why don't your disciples follow all traditions? You hypocrites, he calls them. And then he tells them, Isaiah spoke of you. Do you know what a great insult that is to the Pharisees? Do you know how they are publicly shamed in front of everyone when Jesus now quotes scripture that Isaiah was prophesied and wrote about them? You honor me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. God help us not to be a religious people today, you all. We want to talk about Jesus, but yet our heart is so far away from him, living just for ourselves. He goes on, For you ignore, in verse 8, God's law and substitute your own traditions. You skillfully sidestep God's law in order to hold on to your tradition. For instance, he says, Moses gave you this law from God, honor your father and mother. And anyone who speaks disrespectfully of a father or mother must be put to death. But you say it is all right for people to say to their parents, sorry, I can't help you, for I have vowed to give to God what I had would have given to you. In this way you let them disregard their needy parents. And so you cancel the word of God in order to hand down your own tradition. And this is only one example among many others. Or you say you keep the law, but when it benefits you, you twist it and do away with it. And I've only just exposed one, he says. But there's many. This is how you live your life. You're a hypocrite. Then Jesus called to the crowd to come in here. I love this. All of you listen, he said, and trying to understand, it's not what goes on, I'm sorry, it's not what goes into your body that defiles you. You are defiled by what comes from your heart. Where does sin come from? From within. He says, Then Jesus went into a house to get away from the crowd, and his disciples asked him, What he meant by the parable he had just asked. And he says, don't you understand either? Can't you see that the food that you put into your body cannot defile you? Food doesn't go into your heart, but only passes through the stomach and then goes into the sewers. And by saying this, he declared that every kind of food is acceptable in God's eyes. Eating a certain type of food is not sin. See, when we try to make the rules and the laws, don't touch, don't do, keep this, whatever, all this, and we're trying to do it in and of ourselves, we lose the fact of what Jesus has done. By Jesus making this statement, he declared that every kind of food is acceptable in God's eyes. And then he added, It is what comes from the inside that defiles you. For from within, I'm sorry, for from within, out of a person's heart come faults of sexual morality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, lustful desires desires, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these vile things come from within. They are what? Defile you. How's your heart today? You see, it comes from within. That's why Jesus came to deal with the heart of matters. That's why we surrender our lives to Him. We give Him the right to rule and reign. Take the throne of my heart, God. He's teaching this lesson about purity. It's not about laws. It's not about rules. Understand where sin comes from. It comes from within. That old nature, that rebellious nature... That wants to desire everything that is out here in the temporalness of life. And that's why the scriptures that we read before we opened up Mark gives us the assurance that he has victory over that. And through his victory, we have the victory. Not to remain a slave to sin, not to remain a, just a religious person. No, but that we can now be people of God. With the assurance that He is for us and not against us. That even when we fall, He is there to pick us up. If we would repent and turn to Him. It comes from within. All of the junk. All of the the, the crap that we see going on in life. It's because of what's coming out of others. It's within their heart. Praise be to God, y'all. He gives us a new heart. Mm -hmm. He gives us a new nature. He gives us the way out. And this is the hope that we have in Him. This is a powerful teaching that He's laying out to His disciples. Don't get trapped by trying to keep rules and laws. No, recognize where it comes from. You want to deal with sin in your life? Then confess it. Repent. The Bible says to expose the fruitless deeds of darkness. Drag it out into the light. No, it's not mastering me anymore. I know from where it's coming from. It's coming from within. It's not my mama who did it to me. It's not my daddy. It's not this, that, or that, or this, or whatever we like to say is our problem. It's the heart of the matter. I could choose to be someone's victim, but why would I? I can choose to react selfishly or in anger or in lust. I can choose to give in to whatever is is trying to lure me. But why would I? When I know ultimately it would just kill me, and I know where it's coming from. It's not coming from the temporalness of life. No, it's coming from within here. Guard your heart, y'all. Day in and day out, guard your heart. (coughs) The Bible says to remain alert. Don't give the enemy a foothold. He will develop a stronghold. No, we're called to live a life that's honoring God. And so as Jesus is still here, this woman in verse 24. Jesus left Galilee and went north to the region of Tyre. He didn't want anyone to know which house he was staying in, but he couldn't keep it a secret. Right away a woman who had heard about him came and fell at his feet. Her little girl was possessed by an evil spirit, and she begged him to cast out the demon from her daughter. Since she was a Gentile, born of Syria and Phoenicia, Jesus told her, First, I should feed the children, my own family, the Jews. It is a right to take food from the children and throw it to the dogs. What, Jesus? What did you just say? This woman, this Gentile woman... Hears that Jesus is in town. She enters in, throws herself at his feet. Remember why Mark was writing this gospel. He was writing it to the church in Rome. Mainly consisting of Gentiles, people who were not of the Jewish faith. They came to know Jesus. They're Christians now. Remember, they were under intense persecution. This is where a lot of Christians were being crucified, hung on a cross, and burnt at night to light up the city. This is a time, I keep reminding you, when Christians were dragged into arenas and the crowds would go wild to watch them their bodies be devoured by wild animals. And Mark is writing them to encourage them to keep their eyes on Jesus, to keep living your Christian life. Don't go back to the old ways. And I can only imagine them listening to this part of Scripture. This Gentile woman came to Jesus. And he says to her, First, I should feed the children my own family, the Jews. It isn't right to take food from the children and throw it to the dogs. Now, at first, you would think, well, that's rude, Jesus. You just called a woman a dog. And listen, the Jews in those days, they hated Gentiles. And they would call the Gentiles dogs. But we have to know the wording of what Jesus is saying here. When Jesus calls or says, I wouldn't give it to a dog, he's not referring it to how Jewish people look at the Gentiles. When the the Jews would call them dogs, they were the savage dogs. Just wild animals. The dog that Jesus is listening here is like the the pet. See, in that custom there, when they would sit to eat, the dogs would come. And just as as it is probably in our case too, the children would feed the dog. And so what Jesus is saying here is, I'm not, I, I'm not going to take what is meant for the children first, and then give it to you. And I love what Jesus is doing here. He's setting this up for the woman to display such great faith. Because she could have heard that, and walked away bitter. She could have heard that and say, Okay, Master. And turn and walk away bitter. Becoming angry, wounded, hurt, whatever. You know how we get? But Jesus was laying out this beautiful illustration. And she replied, and I love the fact that there, it doesn't even show that there was any delay in her response. <laughs> That's true. Lord, but even the dogs under the table are allowed to eat the scraps from the children's plates. That's powerful, y'all. That's true, Jesus. But even the dogs, they still receive. Good answer, he said. I love that. Now go home, for the demon has left your daughter. <laughs> Come on, y'all. That's amazing. So many times we try to wrestle with God. You know, so many times we you know, we, we get angry, walk away, ah, oh, whatever. You know? But wait a minute. If we would just pay attention, if we would just listen closely, she didn't get offended. What, does he call me a dog? You know, she didn't throw over the table and make a scene. No, she understood what he was saying, oh yes, Jesus, believe in the dogs, get fed. Good answer. Go your way now. What you ask for is done. And when she arrived home, she found her little girl lying quietly in bed, and the demon was gone. Jesus left. And went up to Sidon If we're going back to the Sea of Galilee In the region of the ten towns A deaf man with a speech impediment Was brought to him And the people begged Jesus To lay his hands on the man to heal him Jesus led him away from the crowd So they could be alone He puts his fingers into the man's ears Then spinning on his own fingers He touched the man's tongue "'Looking up to heaven, he sighed and said, "Ephata," which means, be opened. "'And instantly the man could hear perfectly, "'and his tongue was freed, so he could speak plainly. "'Jesus told the crowd not to tell anyone, "'but the more he told them not to, "'the more they spread the news. "'They were completely amazed and said again and again, "'Everything he does is wonderful!' He even makes the deaf to hear and gives speech to those who cannot speak. Jesus, our healer. Our healer, you all. He opens the blind eyes. He opens the deaf ears. He looses the tongue. He gives us the ability, you all, to live some may ask how he went about this healing. But one cannot really understand, if you would, Jesus' way. I can't tell you why he put a spit on his finger and touched his tongue. I can't explain it why he spits in people's, in the mud and puts it on people's eyes. We can't explain that. (laughs) But what we see is, he's a healer. And however he wants to do it in our lives, so be it, Lord. Heal us. Touch us. Set us free. We're going to end in Galatians chapter 5. Galatians. Galatians. Galatians, chapter five. Yeah, Galatians chapter 5. Oh, I pray that we are encouraged today. That we would get up from this place and have hope. I don't know where any of y'all may be, but wherever you're at, I pray that you're in Christ. <laughs> And if you're not, then today is the day that you ought to bow your knee and come to Christ. I don't know what keeps you from him. He has revealed such great love. He has given us such hope. And if you're living today, if you're living today in, in a way that says, "Oh, I'm a Christian," but you're not living as one, stop being a liar.
1: Galatians.
0: Remember, the greatest deception is not that you're fooling others, it's that you're fooling yourself. You're believing in your own lies. No, there is a way in which you ought to be living. To honor Christ. He calls us to a pure life. To a life that would be lived to honor Him. And again, you all, it's not about being perfect. But it is about growing. It is about maturing. It is about learning to take steps to, to let the old die. So in Galatians chapter 5, and we're going to verse 16. I want to end with this understanding of living in the Spirit, being empowered by the Holy Spirit, you all. I love it to be able to open up the Word with you all and be able to to, to see it and to be able to, to take it in. Listen to what it says here, verse 16. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives, then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual morality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfishness, Selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. He says, let me tell you again, and his audience is the church. It's not the people who are out there running amok in the world. He's writing to the church. And he's reminding them. I'm telling you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Listen, there's a way in which we are to live as Christians. And it's not by the dictates of the flesh. Listen, if you've still got issues of the flesh, you've still got things going on in your life, then deal with them. Grow up, mature, ask for help, ask to be discipled. Get into the Word. Allow the Holy Spirit to transform your life. Remember in Romans, we we read where it says that how does He transform us? By renewing our minds, by changing the way we think. Now, not according to the flesh, but by the Spirit. And then in closing, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. And here's the scripture that I keep bringing us back to over these past few weeks. Verse 24. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. That's the good news you all. This is the the hope that we have in Christ. This new life that can be lived so that others can see that there is freedom, that there is hope. I don't care what your past is or where you're at today. What I care mostly about is have you made a commitment to Jesus? Are you learning how to walk in obedience unto Him? Is your life impacting others around you so that they would come and know him? This is the hope that we have, you all. His great love for us. And I'm gonna end with this song. And it's the song that if Jesus could pen, if you would, a love letter to us, these would be the words he would say. Give me one second to get it set.
5: No, I'm tired. I can't go home. I can't go home. Mark, can you go? Just so be with you allow would do anything where well, there's no press. Out. How much did I give you? Well, and I promise well, I promise